just don't accept user input. And if you do, sanitize it. <laughs> sanitize the crap out of it. Okay, that's different. If you're that's listening to this show you're and you're beginning it. with PHP, don't listen to Thomas, okay? Hello, this is Eric, and you're listening to PHP Ugly, episode 86, recorded Thursday, December 7th, 2017. In this episode, Thomas, John, and I talk about Amazon and Google's battle heating up. What would you like to see in the upcoming versions of PHP, and why the CEO of Cloudflare doesn't want to control the internet, and a lot more. So, let's get started. I listen to a lot of podcasts, and I watch a lot of YouTube videos, probably more than I should. And one thing I really have gotten an appreciation for is how global the people who are listening are. And I've seen it with our show. So a lot of times their sayings are, are, are verbs not verbs, they're sayings that I'm never sure if they're global sayings. And this is actually one of them. The term to 86 something is to a very, it. is a, to get rid of is it. a common term. Well, so that's, that's the thing. The origin of to 86 something, again, it's a term used to here in the U S I don't know if it's a global term, but in just, it means to get rid of something, right? 86 it, get rid of it, remove it. However, when I was looking at the origin, because you know how I like to do my little show things, and I've already, I've already kind of given away the spoiler here, it's 86. But when looking, I'm like, this is going to be easy. Where did the, where did the term 86 come from? To 86 something? How did that, how did that become something? And it turns out the origin of that, the origin of that saying isn't really clear. The one that people kind of most agree on is that it actually came from the restaurant industry years ago, like in the, in the 30s. However, to 86 something in, a, in, a, in the restaurant lingo didn't mean to throw it away. It just meant they were out of something. So they would 86 the bacon because they had no bacon. Bacon. How do you run out of bacon? But, you know, it's a horrible, horrible thing. There, there, are, there are other potential origin stories of the word 86 the one i like the most centers around the u.s navy specifically the u.s navy's allowance type and what these guys did is they had they coded everything they did and the code at6 meant to remove something or dispose of it so that became 86 at6 86 i like that one but the more creative one was and i i find this probably the furthest fetched explanation apparently up until about the 1980s whiskey used to come in two proofs it came in 100 proof and 86 proof and the legend has it is if you were in a bar and you're drinking whiskey and you were getting drunk the bartender would tell the other bartenders to 86 that person which meant don't give them the 100 proof whiskey anymore give them the 86 proof whiskey and charge them for the 100 proof exactly (laughs) So this is episode 86 of PHP Ugly, the wildfire episode. Hello, gentlemen. <laughs> it's the, the wildfires right. are scary in San Diego, aren't they? I mean, is this I'll, your first? Uh, is this your first wildfire, John? No, I went through it in Florida. I forget what year. But, it was. but the, the, this is your first out here. Yeah, first out here. Yeah, yeah. They're 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 apps. I'm not gonna lie to you. So if you're listening to the show. John and I are in Southern California, the San Diego County uh, area, 
and we are getting hit with wildfires. Yeah, the whole place wildfires is literally on Southern, fire. Wildfires in Southern California are not extremely uncommon, but they do get out of hand. And the one that's going on right now is out of hand. Well, I've lived through a couple of them here. And they're kind of uncommon for December. No, no, no. They're, 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 they're actually very common because what, what's happening right now is that San Diego go, goes through these very long dry spells where it doesn't get any rain and everything dries up and starts to die off. Then we get into the winter months and we, we get these Santa Ana winds and that start blowing everything around and next thing you know, one fire sparks and the, the thing about it is it's so unpredictable and these things they will jump freeways. I mean, these little wildfires will absolutely jump, you know, eight lane, ten lane freeways from one side to the other. They're very tough to predict where they're going to go and how fast they're going to get there. I think we talked about so, it on the last episode. The 2007 fires, part of it was caused by SDG&E, the, the electric mm-hmm. company. Uh, they did. Their lines being blown down and causing the fire. So in Southern California, the winds often blow from the west. They blow from the ocean onto the land. The Santa Ana winds are just going the opposite direction. They're coming from the east for those yeah. people not in California. <laughs> it's just craziness. I mean, it, it, it's the 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 house we live in uh, was involved. The, the actual house didn't get burned down, but this neighborhood, several of the homes in the neighborhood where I live in. I got burned down in one of the wildfires about ten years ago. Um, I was I didn't I wasn't living in this house. No, it had been longer than ten years because I've been here. Uh, but before we moved to this house, uh, this neighborhood got hit pretty hard with a wildfire. Um, back. So it's it gets terrifying, and it's hard to come up with these evacuation plans because you're never quite sure what what routes you're going to have available to you. <laughs> yeah. I One year we had, va- had evacuated south uh, to a, a town called uh, El Cajon. And then like the next day that, you know, they were fighting wildfires. So it gets tough and, and resources get, you know, worn th- pretty thin. And then not to mention you get the kooks out there who start to take advantage of it. These, these fire bugs who, all the firemen are, are busy and everything seems, you know, this seems to be a natural progression and, you know, just making things worse. It's Yeah, but I moved out to Colorado this year, so it's not, not as big a problem. We, sh- we should be safe. We're okay. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so there, there, were ma- a- there were major fires like 20 years ago in Florida. And I remember driving down the road and seeing the fires on the side of the road on my way home, just mm-hmm. a couple miles from my house. Definitely scary. Yeah. Meanwhile, it's a it's a balmy fifteen degrees here. <laughs> nice and chilly. Good. Glad you're happy. I am glad you, extraordinarily glad happy. How can you be happy in fifteen degree weather? That's ridiculous. It is so much fun. Describe fun. Your nose starts to hurt first. <laughs> yeah, that's fun. And, and everyone, if you go somewhere, everyone's running from the parking lot into wherever you're going. No, no one's trying to be leisurely. They don't even bother. That's what we did in Florida because of the heat. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. No, not at all. It's the coldest I don't like I've your ever been. Of fun. <laughs> okay, this is an exciting conversation, but I do have some PHP ugly news. You know what else is on fire? Bitcoin. PHP. I'm trying wow, to take it was, early. That was a weird transition, Eric. 
Eric, where are you going with this? know your PHP ugly news. <laughs> well, I'm pretty sure I was leading into a story there. I could have been wrong. I don't know. wasn't very wasn't a very good story, I guess. We we moved our hosting over to Simplecast, which is nice because we have uh, one spot where you know, we upload the the MP3s. It distributes to all the streams for iTunes and Google and whoever else might be doing. And it hosts like this makeshift uh, website, which which has always been good kind of cool the problem with it is when we first launched php ugly we were hosting the site ourselves, and we had being good people of the internet put https on the uh url and basically made that the default url like i think we even had a we we even had a redirect that made people go to https but when we moved to simplecast we couldn't do that. We couldn't do that because it was Simplecast and they didn't have certificates for custom domains. Um, and every since they, then, we've been getting They do if you host on, on their domain, but not custom domains. Which is right, so, right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and we've been getting tweets from from concerned listeners saying, hey, your HTTPS is broken. We're like, yeah, we know it's not there anymore. And we just kind of, kind of try to inform people that, you know, of, of the situation and John got one today and I guess took the initiative to look into it and says, hey, you know, how can we do this? And I actually came up with a pretty simple solution. Well, well before you get into Cloudflare. that. Cloudflare. Let me, before you get into well, you're, you've already spoiled it, but. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> thank, sorry. thank you to friend Very of the show. This. Friend of the show, Chris Cornett, for pointing me out or pointing it out to me that it was an issue. Uh, Chris Cornett is huge in the, into security. And I remember giving my security talk at PHP Tech a few years ago, and he sat in and listened to it. And that must have been embarrassing. Actually, <laughs> just rips, yes, just ripped you apart afterwards. No, no. The only thing he tore me apart over, which I was embarrassed by, of course, was in my example code. I used the request super global instead of get or post. Oh, oh. So. Minor, and it's like I mean, it, it was like, an example. It, it was example code, and unfortunately, I work in a lot of legacy code, so I see the request super global way more than I should. So he pointed out, and I was like, "Ah, you're right," and I was embarrassed. But anyway, I was super grateful that he took the time to listen to me talk and give me some feedback. And now that he gave me feedback on this and to kind of steer the ship to make sure that we got this address, was very nice. So thank you, Chris. Appreciate it. You know, and speaking of security, <laughs> Eric, take it away. Oh, yeah. right, you got to go. No, you're going back to cloud Cloudflare. Yeah. So John had found an article around Cloudflare and how to configure Cloudflare. So the short of it is, PHPUgly.com now has HTTPS associated to it. The long of it is, Cloudflare is a pretty badass service, man. I, I hear a lot of people talk about it, and I understand what they do. I've never used them. I never thought that I had a, a real need to use them. I'm reconsidering that. Just based on this one implementation that we used with PHP Ugly, how easy it was to get set up. And it auto-generated the SSL cert. Like, I literally, literally did nothing. It, it scraped my DNS. It created DNS records for all the DNS records I had already had. And said, okay, now go change your name server to point to Cloudflare. I changed my name server to point to the Cloudflare uh, DNS, and then it 
with without me doing anything, generated SSL certs and proxied all the requests through them, and it's pretty slick. So it's a pretty slick service. And for the most part, it's free. I, I forget what at what point you have to start paying, but we don't have enough traffic to worry about Yeah, we'll about never it. be big <laughs> enough for that, so we don't have to worry. Yeah. So Cloudflare, it's one of these services I, I kept hearing about, and I'm like, oh, yeah, I understand why people would use that. I just never thought... And I always thought of it as, you know, you, you did it for the caching piece. But I'm like, I, you know, I don't have a, a reader, a need or an imp- implementation that requires it. And lo and behold, I, I used it. And I'm like, oh, you know, this is worth just doing, really. And, and I when, I, when I brought it up, I was personally thinking of AWS CloudFront because I used that on one of the clients that I work on and wasn't really thinking of the, the differences. So then I start researching and found a great article about why Cloudflare beats CloudFront. And of course, pricing being one of the big ones. Uh, CloudFront gives you a lot more custom customization, but Cloudflare with its free tier and what it does give you is amazing. So I wish I could say this episode was hosted by Cloudflare. Maybe we need to reach <laughs> out to them and say, hey, you should sponsor us. Unfortunately, it's not right now. Pay for a much better editor. <laughs> You do a good job, man. I was gonna say, what, what are you talking about? Although uh, we did learn, I learned a new trick this week editing the PHP podcast. The what? PHP, the P- the PHP you edited PHP. a podcast? Yeah, the PHP Architect PHP podcast. I edited the first one uh, this past week. Learned a new trick, so Thomas, we may need to talk. You might find it useful. What? What? What is what's this your trick? trick? We can talk now. That's so what we actually, do. <laughs> actually, I don't think you do much cutting. You don't cut into things, right? I do a little. So with PHP Podcast, we'll, we insert interviews in the middle of Eric and I's talking, uh, advertisements. Uh, we do other segments within what we're talking about. Fart noises. So I, yeah. No, no, cutting out is easy. Inserting is the other thing. So being able to take my stream, for example, or, or all of our streams and actually cut it and split it. I knew there had to be a way. And Eric tried telling me his workflow, which I was like, that doesn't seem like it works very well. So it's it was simple, horrible. Yeah, you can you make a selection, you can you can cut it, and then you sp- literally can slide away. And that control Shift I. Yep, that's it. Actually, and it's, it's different <laughs> on Mac, but oh, I know all See? the tricks. All the tricks. Oh no, no that trick, that one trick. Okay, okay. <laughs> I want to know more tricks. See, I I used I used to edit the um a podcast called Talk Bowling on TalkBowling.com, but it was a video podcast and way different than editing audio. Not way different, just different. But I had a lot of the same tools, and I was using a different editor. I was using uh, Final Cut Pro at the time. So it was a lot easier for me to do that same type of thing. Cut yeah. pieces out, sp- split. Final Cut's and, amazing. Uh, I told Eric, I'm like, this sucks using Audacity. Yeah, I wanna, it's terrible. I'm going to purchase Final Cut Pro just to for do, to do audio editing. Yeah. <laughs> so 
Anyway, enough well, of and, that. Uh, and going back, and, and John John managed to get the whole thing edited and released in a timely manner, so the November uh, podcast came out in early December. <laughs> that was not my fault. Got to please the say. sponsors. <laughs> I do want to say, not my fault. We we couldn't even talk about the fact that PHP Architects was was able to give away the magazine for free that month because we were a month late. Again, <laughs> not our fault, but the episode was a month late. <laughs> Wait, did I say it wasn't the, our fault yet? The, the PHP Architect podcast is proven to be fairly challenging to record, and a lot of it centers around trying to arrange the interviews, because we, we don't know who's going to be in the uh, issue well, we beforehand. Don't get the, we don't get the issue until... If we're lucky, a day or two before it actually comes out. Yeah, and so the editor uh, Oscar lets us, you know, gives us the ideas. Says, "Hey, such and such has an article about this. Why don't we try to get uh, try to arrange an interview with them?" And we're talking again of global scale. So the the interview we're, we'll be doing in December, the the individuals in Europe, and you know, John and I are having to arrange our schedule so that the time zones line up so that we can do the interview. But it's just been like the people, people are traveling or speaking or are all over the globe. And, Oh, you know, I'm not in town this week. How about next week? And next week turns into the following week. And, and then they're not available. Just, so then we switch uh, interviews or interviewees. Yeah. So <laughs> it's a, it is a pain. <laughs> it really is. But it's fun. I'm I'm enjoying it. It's it's a little. John and I have been working through the format, and it still sounds like it's scripted, although it really isn't. I we've we've jot down the the way it works is John and I will read the magazine and jot down notes, and then have a conversation and try to make sure we hit on any notes that we we might have written down on all the articles, and, and it still comes off at least. From my perspective, still comes off as as scripted. Not, not as bad as the first few did, but it doesn't no. flow. It doesn't flow like this show does. But this show is just us bullshitting. You know, we're just yeah. chatting. Right. You don't. You would and, not want it right. to sh- flow like this show. This is. This is the <laughs> diuretic do, of podcasts. Yeah, we kind of do. You need a third man. Well, we need we need to just not read the article and just like give our opinions on what we think the article's about. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of what this show is. PHP Architect, just the headlines. <laughs> that would shorten it up quite a bit. Have you guys been uh, you guys been following the uh, PHP Security Advent Calendar? I have. Pretty cool. I disagree. <laughs> you disagree? Why? Well, okay, so they've they've got a lot of examples here. We're on day seven as of mm-hmm. this recording, and mm-hmm. the thing about it is, you just look for where they allow user input. Well, I, I mean, everybody wants shit to be so complicated, and some sometimes it's the simple security things that are missed. This is meant for everybody to look at and kind of appreciate it doesn't have to be these complex oh there's a vulnerability in php 5.4 that would cause this to do a dump which is literally what the second one is about (laughs) this vulnerability exists in 5.3 
but is a more advanced it... version than 7.2. Really? Did I? Did it really do the? the I'm, I'm sorry. That's number three. Snowflake uh, is all about 5.3. Snowflake. Letting you delete. I I, Etsy I, I like it. I, I I mean, they're they're they are pr- pretty obvious once you start to understand the pattern. Like like you said, nine times out of ten, it's wherever input's accepted. Yeah, but which is why I don't allow user input. Anyway, you can't not allow user. Input. You totally can. You, you cannot. cannot. What are you talking Stop about? It. Just you. You just create kiosk applications. They're, it's just a kiosk. Yeah, it says that select user a, select a username from about? these four, five usernames we've chosen. <laughs> still, that's still <laughs> user input. Actually. Select your we're email. Gonna... <laughs> select your email address from this drop down. <laughs> Your password is one of these three. Choose it. Exactly. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna send the still uh, user input. code to this that's, email. It's still that's user what I'm input. saying. Even no, it's not because actually I end up throwing input. away the user input and using a randomly generated string and emailing it to him. <laughs> so full of shit. <laughs> this is this is why we can't be friends. I'm telling you right now. Well, you are just so full of shit constantly. I, I like number seven because it's not even user input; it's browser input. Where they're parsing the HTTP referrer from the browser. Yeah. It's like, come on. But they have a point that's easy to spoof. Yeah. Uh, we'll see. It's Just don't accept user input. And if you do, sanitize it. <laughs> sanitize the crap out of it. Okay, that's different. If you're that's listening to this show and you're beginning it. with PHP, don't listen to Thomas, okay? You have to accept user input at some point. The, the only user input my website accepts is, Just, is email address and password. <laughs> I, I don't want to know what your website accepts as input, okay? Really, I don't. Actually, it does have, does have more than that now. <laughs> oh, man. All right, we, we knew it was coming. We talked about it on a previous show, and it has fi- officially hit the web sphere. The fan. Uh, cr- the Chrome 63 is now enforcing .dev domains to go to HTTPS. Why is this important, do you ask? What is a .dev domain, and do I care if it goes to HTTPS? Well, chances are maybe not, but if you're a PHP Chances developer, are maybe not. Is there an echo in here? What is Chances that? Chances are, maybe not. Unless you're, a P- <laughs> unless you're a PHP developer, specifically if you're a Laravel developer who might use Valet. Specifically which... an Apple workstation Laravel developer using Valet through Brew, and it's an old version that doesn't use the new... <laughs> okay, half the stuff you said is incorrect and not true, so let, let me try to state the facts a little better. That's your job. My job is lying. Your job is truth. The the default domain is a .dev domain. A lot of developers will use .dev domains when they're doing a local development. So now if you use a .dev domain and you try to use uh, Chrome, it's going to redirect you to HTTPS. There's a couple of solutions you can implement. Um, You can add certs to your .dev urls locally i don't know why you would do that i i think valet has a way of doing that fairly easily i've never used it don't really see a reason behind it but that's an option personally what i do is i just changed my uh domain which again you can do in valet you just say valet domain and give it a new domain i go with ddev for wait for it wait for it 
Diego Dev. <laughs> or you can just say, except the friggin' certain, not care. I don't care. Uh, I, 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 can I don't you do that? You can. I don't think you can do that anymore. I, don't, I, don't I think, think it requires can, a valid cert now. What? Mm-hmm. Stop mm-hmm. it. That was, that, was the big, that was the big confrontation, because that's what I initially said, who cares? Just hit I don't care on the button when it asks you, but it forces security. What? And I this this was a this was actually the problem going back that's because going back to our PHP TLD. No no no. Going back to our to our PHP ugly issue, the problem with the certificate with PHP ugly is Simplecast had a certificate. It wasn't a PHP ugly dot dot com certificate. It was a simplecast.com certificate or simplecast.fm certificate, but it didn't matter. It you you didn't have an option to accept the certificate. It just flat out wouldn't let you go to https www.pt. You mean the new version did it? Because I was able to do that in Chrome. I wasn't. Matter of fact, I showed that to you. When? I don't know. You did a while not. back. Stop it. I totally So if you run Valet, then you have to change it. We recommend dot ddev. Get the name out there. A little free advertising. (laughs) Twenty years in the future there'll be a podcast where someone says, Yeah, why is it dot ddev now? No one no one knows. Where where did that come from? That's that's a weird thing. Be the great it'd be a great intro for a podcast. (laughs) The story of how dot ddev became a standard. That's right. So, so on somebody's episode seventeen, in two thousand seventeen, we changed from dot dev to dot ddev. Exactly. <laughs> the origins are still somewhat of a mystery, but rumor has yeah. it, legend is. To be fair, it'll still be Eric doing that. He'll just have forgotten by then. <laughs> you'll have some. This is true. Some new, you'll have some new podcast <laughs> episode seventeen. <laughs> It won't even be a podcast. That's or, he'll just be in or, a rocking but, chair saying that to himself. No, no, no. We will do that on episode 2017. We're gonna come back to now, oh, and that'll be the intro. So, in what, like six weeks? No, we're on. on we said it already. Episode. We're Crickets? on episode. Yeah, totally. Nobody laughed at. I said 2017. Not seventeen. Uh, he, he did God. actually. If you think about it, yeah, yeah, yeah. killing that's me. That's wrong. Killing me, Smalls. Done. I'm going Gosh. to bed. <laughs> Hold on, we've got symphony news though. Oh, and cloud I mean, fire I had, news. I had I had a good lead in lead into this. Yeah, we we talked about Cloudflare earlier, and uh, Thomas, this was a story you you brought up back with the. The hate speech that was going on on the internet, and how the Cloudflare CEO realized that he could like shut down a bunch of these websites. Any website, and, uh, yeah. Guess... He he realized the power that he wielded was far too great. I mean, he's a really cool guy, and if you if you he, listen but, to but interviews with him, if you listen to interviews with him, he's he says basically, I'm going to do this until someone tells me I'm not allowed to because somebody has to take this power away from me. And, he, and it turns out he he's he's now doing that. Yeah, no, I mean, no one told know, him to stop. Basically, basically, he he said uh, um, that you know he doesn't want the responsibility. Like, well, not that he doesn't want it; that nobody should have that ability. And so, apparently, despite the fact that he has the that ability and it's a 
super powerful ability, he's putting a plan in place to remove him, remove him from being able to do that. And there's an article on um, Ars Technica that uh, kind of goes through this. I I thought it was a good good read. Um, it's it's a real interesting kind of conversations around morals and ethics in our industry. And I really applaud this guy for his high standards on both morals and ethics. Um, Should this, be a senator. This is clearly something that can be abused. The The issue I think that will more likely come out of this is somebody else will find a way, way to wield that power. And I don't know what that, what that's going to look like, but I applaud, uh, what's his name? Matthew Prince. Awesome name. Guy's last name is Prince. I mean, just call just drop the first name. Just call yourself Prince. I think that's a fantastic name. But uh, Matthew, no, Prince you can't is... be Prince. You got to be a symbol. No, it's not taken anymore. He can use it now. Yeah. Anyways, I'm we'll have the we'll okay. have the article posted uh, in the show notes. Um, but yeah, check out Cloudflare's. It's called Cloudflare CEO has a plan to never censor hate speech again. So check it out. Okay, Thomas, I've been I've been stealing all the cards. I'll I'll let I'll let you loose. Go go for it, brother. Well, you know what that means. I I, I can imagine. It's time for cryptocurrency corner. Yeah, I was just reading one. I was just reading one of his articles and I'm terrified, but anyway, go ahead. It's been a nightmare week. I mean it's been really amazing. Um in November 11th, I bought $40 worth of Bitcoin because that was as much as I could sneak out of my bank account without anyone starting to yell at me. Holy shit. <laughs> it's at 16388 right now. Yeah, so that $40 that I got less than a month ago is now worth over $100. I really need to find my Bitcoin uh, vault. <laughs> yes. Yes, you do. And it tops it topped out at eighteen four earlier today. There right now, if you if you trade it against Korean money and then convert the Korean money to US dollars, it's trading out at twenty two thousand. So if you go through Korean exchange markets, you can really maximize your profit there. Um Yeah, it's it's completely crazy what? and this is this is a, an increase of a hundred percent in one month, more That's than hundred percent. So, if, if, instead of instead of putting in forty thousand dollars, if you had bought one whole Bitcoin at you know ten k, whatever it was a month ago, you would have doubled your money. Yes, you would be sitting on twenty thousand dollars a month in ago. A month, a month no, ago, you were looking at less than seven. Yeah, yeah, it does. You're right. You're right. I'm sorry. Okay. Good. You're right. Good. And and that there have been a lot of reflexive actions because of this there are a lot of people who invested um personal savings you know in the area of a couple thousand dollars and when it was going up one percent or two percent a day that was good but they weren't writing uh home about it but then in the last week it started to go up in amazing bursts uh december 3rd it was at eleven thousand, and then Five days later, it's at seventeen thousand. I mean, incredible. We talked about this growth. last. 
we talked about this last week. He's got to have a ceiling. And what's so crazy, and what I think is even fueling this more, is you have mainstream TV shows talking about it now. Like we're 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 Mr. Robot fans, and and that's one of the story plots in Mr. Robot is cryptocurrency. So that that's not new new to us, but they had an episode of cryptocurrency, specifically Bitcoin, I think it was last week on Big Bang. Yeah, I saw that and one. It was, it was really great. It was hysterical, right? It's like this yeah. stuff is hitting main mainstream media. It's like TV shows are picking it up. Uh, there was another show I, I, uh, I watched that was talking about buying something with Bitcoin. I'm like, holy smokes. This it, And the thing about it is this is opening the eyes of the non-tech crowd. They're like, oh, what's Bitcoin? Oh, I, I want to buy some of this now. What's Well, that's the thing is that people who have dumped savings into it, let's say a year ago, just saw whatever they've dumped into it get a 2,000% increase in value. Um, mm-hmm. Most of that in the last three months. Most of that in the last one month. And so people are on social media sites saying, I cashed out and paid off my house. I cashed out, paid off every debt, every loan. I cashed out and I am free and clear. And that's why it's getting so much attention is because people are saying, hey, guess what? I invested $2,000 a year ago and then today paid off every debt, including my house, car, and kids' college. And so it's getting a lot of traction in the public eye right now. Um, but that isn't great. Okay. I was checking my email yesterday on my phone. Uh, the only place where my email actually has ads on it. Because on all my browsers, <laughs> right? No ads. And it was just a, a link that said, convert your IRA or 401k to a Bitcoin yes. IRA. That's the card I was talking about. I was reading that and was terrified. I panicked like really? sitting there went what the fuck no no don't, no don't do that and i immediately got on facebook and started tweeting out a, uh, putting out a message to everyone on facebook like listen this is a thing that they're advertising don't do this for god's sake this is not what bitcoin is for you do not put your ira or 401k into bitcoin for christ's sake like no it could be zero tomorrow. It's done it before. <laughs> back when I, back when I first started putting money into Bitcoin, it was on the rise. It was a, a few hundred dollars. It went up to eleven hundred, and like a, a few weeks later, is at two hundred. But the majority of the the money I put into it at that time was at the you know nine hundred, one thousand, eleven hundred dollar range. Granted, today I, I held on to it, and I'm happy today. But there's no telling what's going to happen down a, a few years down the road. But it gets even. I, I don't. Even I don't think it'll worse. be a few years. This thing. This thing's going to crash here. It's. It's got to go through another crash. I, I mean, I that's just the natural. It goes way worse than that, crash. though. Be, if you go to the website, the the first form that you see where they're like, "Hey, calculate your income," it's auto filled with. I would like to invest. $250,000 in and then a drop down where you choose Bitcoin, Ethereum, Ripple, Litecoin, Bitcoin Cash, which is a guaranteed tank, Ethereum Classic, which is already tanked, 
or all. You know, a nice broad portfolio <laughs> of cryptocurrency. 50k of their IRA into Bitcoin. I, I tell you what, I just I just dropped a house worth of cash into Ethereum Classic, and I'm super excited. <laughs> it can only go up or down. Those are the those are the only directions it can go. This is to me. This is to insane. be fair. And, to be fair, that's the only two directions your IRA can go as well. This is true. Right, but your IRA is a managed account. 401ks are managed accounts. If if a company that you've invested in, if a company that you've invested in does something like uh, Ericsson did in Japan, where the company suddenly doesn't exist, like they get taken off the stock market, trading is halted, uh, there are... There's there are some regulations market, around it. There are market yeah. guarantees that prevent the cash from just vanishing you know bitcoin no this week somebody stole 60 million dollars from nice hash in three minutes don't for god's sake and why would you use this service why would you use a service to invest your money into bitcoin when it's just a wallet that's like that's what i want to know that's like paying a bank so but store your money book. and then finding out that all your money is under a series of mattresses. They have an ebook <laughs> about the ultimate guide. Learn about the benefits of yeah. Bitcoin also, in your IRA. If you're ever investing in something and they offer you a free ebook, that's a real big hint to get the fuck out as fast as possible. <laughs> is that a red flag? Oh yeah. Free ebook? Might, you don't have no, to say free I, when you say ebook. You just say no, I, ebook. We learned today. We learned today there is a Level above red. So in San Diego, they went from the red fire danger to purple. So this <laughs> purple. is a purple warning. Blue it's balls. A purple this warning. is a paleo thing. <laughs> <laughs> this is not what you want to invest your IRA in. No. You want to invest a little. You want to invest your spare income that you don't care if you lose it. Ex- yeah, expendable income only. And... They've got the weirdest website because they imply that somehow they are certified by Google, certified by Forbes. When in reality, like Forbes did an article about this and they're like, holy shit, can you believe someone did this? But the quote from them is is well, CNBC, more and more savers are taking a chance and in investing in something called a Bitcoin IRA. The, yeah, more Where and more people be- are becoming insane. Where are they getting their money from? That's what I don't know. Are they taking a, a percentage There's, of the transfer? That's question number two. Is it just a Ponzi scheme? Because like, yes. what country? What country is this in? You dump two hundred fifty thousand dollars into their account. Oh, it's so terrifying. And then there's a point where they start bragging about how many customers they have. They have one hundred and seventy. Like, one hundred and seventy customers. Yeah, Woo-hoo. they have three five star ratings from their customers. And they hold a total of fifty million dollars from their customers. It's like if your That's IRA, so, if your IRA so Tom, is holding I'm, I'm just, fifty I'm million dollars to, total, trying to sum this up. So you're you're, you're for or against this approach? I he's co- completely for real it. clear. Completely, yeah. Fun. No, it's surprisingly it. easy actually to invest in this. <laughs> uh, there's a simple rollover system. You point your investment account at their investment account, and then it just starts to divest automatically. I found it incredibly simple. I made thousand in. Fantastic. Yeah. Transfer Fantastic. your tra- you, you transfer your funds. You buy bitcoins. Amazingly enough, 
they right. don't you don't transfer your funds. The part of this that makes it an it's, IRA it says it right here. Step two: transfer your IRA or four hundred one k funds on on their how it works page. That's what you do. If you go through the sign up process, they have information on how to go to each type of paycheck management system that manages IRAs and transfer it from there. They have instructions for all of the systems that people commonly use. It's terrifying. Yeah. Don't do it. Next. Well, because of, because of the inherent volatility of cryptocurrency, Steam has actually stopped accepting Bitcoin. Transaction well, fees are too high, and the volatility, that, volatility is too I, high. How is the transaction fee too high? How is Steam, op- Steam operates on very thin margins. But but there's, it's, there's, it's it's it still can't be any card. higher than any other transaction fee they're paying for any any other. Oh, processor. absolutely. When they work absolutely with Visa, not. they process enough transactions that when they work with Visa, they can they can get a custom deal. You but don't know that, Thomas. I absolutely do. I've done it. I did it for a living for a while. Rate negotiations are part of the thing you do when customers sign up for credit card acceptance. Okay. I did it for a living. Okay, (laughs) I'm not going to challenge you on this one. I'm I'm just saying you don't know the you don't know what Steam has negotiated. the The transaction fees on Bitcoin are pretty damn low. I can't imagine they negotiated anything lower than a Bitcoin transaction fee. Well, remember that they want fast transactions, so they're paying they're paying top value for transaction speed. Yeah, but that doesn't mean that the, the fees are higher. It just means it takes longer to get them to guarantee they're going to get their money. Well, things probably more of the problem. If you start looking at Ethereum, things are getting a little weird and wonky. So Ethereum uses a system called Gas for calculating transaction fees, and a company introduced something called CryptoKitties, mm-hmm. and, and the Ethereum networks capacity for processing transactions went from hovering at around 16% to 100% capacity in basically two days. Now, have you, do you guys follow the CryptoKitties stuff? Barely. I've heard of it. I understand kind of what it is, but don't understand why people are doing it. But then again, I didn't understand Pokemon, so I'm old. <laughs> I, I'm not following any of it. So. MTG, reason, I get, I get Ma- Magic the Gathering all day long, but Pokemon, I don't get. This is this goes even further than that because people are basically stocked up on Ethereum for saving money or for watching it go up in value and whatever. And CryptoKitties is just a place where you can spend Ethereum, and then you can sell your CryptoKitty that you breed or what have you, or you can you can you can stud your CryptoKitty. Mm-hmm. And wait, wait, wait! The crypt, the crypto kitty is is a thing. It's like a virtual thing. It's yeah. a virtual cat that has traits okay. like mustache, yeah. and mustache type, eye color, background color, tail fluffiness, fur color. There's a limited number of them. There's an unlimited number, but there's a limited number of traits. And what people are trying to do is establish that a specific trait has value arbitrarily, and then try to sell their cat for stud. To try and breed that value into a newly generated crypto kitty that will what sell. What the hell for... are we talking about? It's crypto literally, kitties. it's literally a scarcity 
a digital scarcity economy. I've got a fantastic article about digital scarcity and that it's the new thing. Is it Bitcoin, Ethereum, all these all these cryptocurrencies? They they operate off of the fact that they are scarce, that there is a limited number, and that mining them is required to produce more of them, and their value is set by that limited factor. This just throws a random set of numbers into that equation and produces a completely artificial scarcity that people have attached themselves to. What are we becoming as as a society, really? I mean, how much do you think? How much do you think the most expensive CryptoKitty is? You know what? I don't care on any level at all. I really have no desire to even know this information. Somebody paid $26,000. I'm off by a factor of 10. All right. We're going to go down this road. This is is a conversation I, I had to have with my children years ago when they were very young. And they they got hooked on this club penguin, and they were constantly coming to me asking me for money because they wanted to buy their penguin a hat, or they wanted to buy their penguin oh, yes. a scarf. And I'm like, no. First thing, it, it it's not real. You're not getting anything. You're literally just giving somebody money. There's there there you you have nothing to show for it. Well, you know, all my friends are getting their penguin sunglasses. I'm like, no. No, that's not. There's, there's no, there are no sunglasses. It's nothing. There's nothing there. You, know, you still interact with all the penguins the same way. It's like I, I can't understand this. I, I don't understand this. Well, it, I had that, no I had that conversation about Club Penguin, and I had to explain to my kids that paying for something that has no scarcity is the dumbest thing you can do, and you're literally paying somebody to tell them that you're dumb. Here, have this dollar and listen to my story about how dumb I am. I bought a hat for a penguin. <laughs> you my, laugh, John. You, you got, you're going to have it the worst, man. I'm telling you. Well, this is, what, this is what I find interesting. So two months ago, I very smartly purchased Ether cards. We talked uh-huh. about this on the I podcast. Oh, we remember, yeah. yeah. The purpose of these was to give my kids 20-ish dollars in Ethereum for Christmas to which you guys said what the hell are your kids going to want to spend $20 in Ethereum on they're just going to say great and throw it away a mustache for my cat oddly enough cryptocurrency crypto kitties just showed up they are purchased through straight (laughs) Ethereum and it teaches the concepts of investment value and scarcity that I was hoping to teach my children so now I don't have to be involved in the teaching part I'll just tell them, hey, you can spend it on crypto kitties, and they're gonna be like, what? I'm gonna be like, screw off, I'm busy. Go look it up on Google. It's the so, perfect. All right. I'm, surprised, well, I'm surprised you don't have a card in here about the fact that the that Bitcoin mining is costing or per, using destroying more the planet. Than, yeah, than entire countries. It's not hard to use more energy than entire countries. We talked about that two weeks ago. If but, you just pick the lowest countries, then you're mining more than them by having a house. Denmark seems like a pretty big country to me. Have you been there? I have not. So you have I, no point I, of I, reference then, see? You, you're just you, talking you're out right. your ass now, and that's my job. Okay, start talking out your ass then. I want to hear it. <laughs> Talk about my ass? No, not about your ass. About 
Bitcoin yeah. <laughs> using more electricity than countries like Denmark. Well, whatever. We switched over to LED light bulbs <laughs> instead of incandescent. We've made up the difference. <laughs> we not? I'm heating so, my house uh, half half through making profit. I actually had a thought today, and I meant to bring it up with Eric while we were sitting there at uh, co-working this morning, so we'll have to talk after I was wondering what that look on your face was. We'll have to talk. Remind me after this, after we're done being live on the air to, <laughs> to bring this up. I'm sure some of well, us okay. have had this thought, but it's interesting. Our, 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 our listening audience loves to hear that, hey, I want to talk to you something when the show ends. Exactly. They love hearing, they want to know, what, what are they talking about? It's okay. Right. I always cut it from the show. No, I'm going not. to move on. You're going to leave that in. I... Leave, I'm moving just leave on. it in. Can I move on? Of course. As long as it's not about yeah. Amazon. It's about Amazon. God damn it! <laughs> Foiled again. I, I, I've always thought that Amazon has been a poor tenant of the Android ecosystem. And this harpens back to the first Kindle, the first Android-powered Kindle that I purchased, I'm like, the Kindles, Amazon Kindles are so damn cheap. I mean, they're fairly underpowered, but they're so cheap. And as far as having an Android device, I'm like, this is this is cool. This, this is a good compromise. It's cheap, but it's sturdy. It's a good product, all that. And then you come to find out that Amazon doesn't allow, like, the Google App Store, or any Google products on the Kindle. No App Store, no Hangouts, no Docs, no uh, no Google Movies, nothing. Uh, Amazon has their own App Store and, you know, their own reader, and and you, you're kind of... Now, if you're a tech, tech junkie like we are, you learn how to, what's called, sideload this stuff, which is what I... It's not an easy process, but it's a process I went through on one of the Kindles just to see if I could do it. But it's a pain in the ass. And I, I've always kind of been bitter towards Amazon for that. It's like, if you're going to use the Android platform, then let the Android platform be the Android platform and stop trying to lock people out of other markets. Well, it seems like Google, who has, to Google's defense, has always allowed Amazon Prime on on the Android platform, the Amazon Kindle on the on the Android platform, all the Amazon products have always been free to run on the Android platform. Well, it sounds like Google now is taking exception to Amazon's kind of marketing tactics, and they are now positioning to remove YouTube from all the Amazon products. You're talking Kindle, we're talking the Fire, no, every, everything, two products. The Fire Two. TV, the Fire TV, and the Echo Show. I thought it was off the Kindle as well. It's not. It's not the. It's not the Kindle as well. Just those two devices. Oh, so just maybe. I wonder if it's on the Kindle. Now that I say that, it must be on the Kindle. It's gotta be on the Kindle. I don't think it's on the Kindle. Really? There's no refresh okay. rate for it. So, all right. So the the Amazon Fire TV, which is like the Chromecast. Yeah, it's like it's like the Android TV, not not the Chromecast. It's like the Android TV, right? Um, and then the uh, the the Echo Show, which is the the Echo with the display. The, yeah, the super fancy big screen one. 
So, what do you guys think about that? Do you agree with it? Disagree with it? I mean, fucking is there a reason crazy it? for a company that claims to be so open and positive towards customers using Amazon's customers against them in this way by identifying Amazon devices and then blocking them from what is an open fucking platform. Let's be clear. This is an open platform. Google is going out of their way to be anti-consumer for the sake of profit, and it's fucked up in every possible way. Hmm. We're not That's making it. enough so, money. Yeah. We're not making enough money is not a reason to remove content from a device that's licensed to customers like this. It's outright bullshit. So I want to hear your your the difference when it comes to. Let me back up. I found it very interesting recently. I bought an Android Wear watch. And the fact that I can use my Android Wear watch on my Android device and on an iPhone. Whereas I cannot use an Apple watch on an Android device, as far as I know. I don't have one, so I can't speak. But Yeah, that's, that's correct. So, Apple's doing the same thing. They're saying, hey, you're, you've got a Google device. We're not going to support yeah. you. Yeah, and for that reason, I have always said, fuck Apple. Yeah. Proprietary hardware, banning people from using their own hardware, suing companies that allow you to install uh, OS X on non-Apple hardware. Yeah, I've always said, fuck them for doing that. That's horrible, anti-consumer profiteering. So yeah, I, so I don't disagree so with I, you at I, all. <laughs> I take it you don't, you don't like this. I, I don't I hate know how this. I feel about it. I mean, I, I don't know how I feel about it, to be honest. It's a corporate I, I was, pissing I shocked, contest. I was shocked that Google allowed their product to be used on iPhones or Apple devices where it doesn't happen vice versa. You know, you well, because Google's Apple products watch. are supposed to be open. Google's products are supposed to work with anyone who wants to program it to work. So if I want to write my own app that interfaces with the APIs of the Android watch, then I can. I can... I can make it work so, through my Nintendo. Are you, are you saying? Are you saying doing that? Apple is. It, it, Apple stops. Are you, from are you doing saying? That. Well, are you Apple saying is, that yeah. you're con- you're condemned to that life forever? Like people can use and abuse you, and at no point can you say, "Okay, enough of this." If if, if you're a corporation, fair, yes, corporations should not be considered people. They don't have rights like people, and they can't take something away from you that you've bought from them. If you, if I bought. If I bought you an Amazon Fire device and Google says we don't like them, them anymore, sure you I did. Buy it from them though. I'm paying no, the licensing fee that that Amazon is paying to Google. I'm I'm part of the chain of of money. The fact that Google is licensing things on a we can take it away basis to Amazon, and Amazon hasn't had issue with that before, is my big issue. I'd say Amazon, Amazon, Amazon's entered that agreement. I mean, the, Right, but they didn't disclose that agreement to us that sometimes so your stuff a, just goes missing. This is a good missing. conversation to have because th- this actually this actually is more impactful when you start to think of it from a developer's perspective because in this world where there's so many of these microservices out there that you're that people take advantage of within their application and then these services can go away. You know, th- this this is a good conversation to to, to kind of talk about is okay what are the actual liabilities that that can be taken on somebody who takes away a service that your application is dependent on especially if it's an application you sell you know well canada just canada just ruled on this canada said that cell phone contracts 
cannot be unreadable. They have to be human readable. The person signing it has to be able to understand it. And cell phones cannot be charged a fee to unlock. The same okay, thing should be true here. But that's not, that's not what we're talking about. I mean, so a, an example, example of what I'm talking about is we have a client that wants to do uh, license plate recognition. And uh, we've been doing a bunch of proof of concepts using things like Google services and Amazon's AI. And I had stumbled across a service um, that essentially did everything exactly the way we wanted it. It was perfect. Uh, I, I created a little microservice for them to upload uh, a license plate to. We handed it off to this uh, service. It would come back, give you the the, the license plate, the, the letters and numbers, the, the state that, that the license plate was, the color, make, and model of the car that it was on, all the information they were looking for. And immediately, the, the client was like, this is perfect. This is exactly what we want. And I was like, hold on, put the brakes on, because... What you're talking about using this for is a core functionality of a product that you're trying to deliver to your clients. Before you make that investment, we need to have a, you know, ironclad agreement in place with this company so that they don't disappear tomorrow and you're left holding you know, a bag of where you can't process these license plates anymore. Either we come up with a contingency and once we have both solutions developed, then deploy, or you need to put in some legal words that say, hey, if you guys go away, we're going to sue you and you're going to pay us X amount of money. But Right. So, but the assumption this, there is that if this company sold you hardware that did the, the microservice and you installed the hardware in your, in your workplace, then that you would forever have access to that information in that software. If I buy a Fire TV, the assumption is that the things that are on it will continue to be available to me because I've purchased a hardware good with software installed on it. Not that but, but software can be arbitrarily time, removed. The fact that it happens... happens all the time. I mean, yeah, in, but that's not an excuse products, for the behavior. Products, hold on, though. Hold on, Thomas. Entire products will lose support from an organization. Sony does it. On a loose, regular basis. Lose support Google is one it. thing. Google, this is the second time Google has done this, when they took a bunch of their Google Home devices and just turned them off, uploaded blank firmware, and bricked the device. And people I, are I suing People are suing Google no, for that. Yeah, there was the, home the automation. Thing, the, the one thing that they had turned off was on the on the Google Minis, I guess the, the screen that was touchable, that was that that bug that they had where it due to a flaw in, in a certain amount of the screens this was, the mic Nest. was always on this was related to google's acquisition of home automation that. software and they but took okay, all of the legacy let's, products let's and talk shut about them off and and you feel that that was not their right like like they have some sort of commitment to the people who bought these legacy apps to to keep a service going even if it's a service they don't want to support not necessarily to maintain, but to at least... I mean, fucking CompuServe just shut down. AOL Instant Messenger just shut down. It doesn't cost a lot of money to support a couple people with a legacy device. I'm not talking about a couple of people, though. <laughs> I mean, you're not. You're not talking about a couple of people. No, you're not. You're talking about, let's say, $10 million. It doesn't cost a lot of money to Google mm -hmm. to support $10 million legacy users that speak to their device maybe 10 times a day total. 
To me, this is... I don't know. I mean, the way I feel about it, I I think it's a crappy move on Google's part. But again, I think Amazon's kind of made their own bet on this. They have not played well with Google. They've been very kind of take, take, take. And I think Google's finally said, okay, well, then we're not going to make any effort to, to, to give you this stuff. And... I don't know. It's a tough call for me. Um, it's it's not at all for me. Jeff Bezos is worth ninety billion dollars. I don't fucking care about Amazon or Google when there's a person who's made ninety billion dollars off of their. It, this is capitalism run amok when Google decides to screw the customers because Amazon but, isn't giving them a fair shake on their hardware. But they're still a business. I mean, they're still in sure. business to make money. Sure, they they have to do this. I think it's immoral, which if we're going to call companies people, you have to be able to say what they're doing is immoral as well as profiteering. But yes, uh, I have a hard stop at 11.30, so (laughs) we need to uh, push through, and I think 11.30 is going to be taking us a little long anyway so hey guys i just made up a hard stop at 11 30 no i i've already shared i have a hard stop at i've already shared with you i know the wife is uh the wife is you got me John. you got me soapboxing it's you've been soapboxing all show man so i moved a couple does. of your cards over let's go let's go uh this this is an old card i These we've are talked about relevant call cards. we've talked about php seven adoption and how it's incredibly fast and how a lot of sites have have quickly moved to php 7 i didn't realize that 90 percent of websites are still using php 5 let's clarify that's any flavor of five five two three five four five 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 six (laughs) yeah all the bad all the bad flavors there's a big difference between five three and five six and there's a big difference between all the websites. When you look at the fact that the, the Heaven's Gate website is still up, and it's been 25 oh, years. Yeah. Old stuff is still around, but I'm amazed at 90%. Oh, yeah. I don't know. I, I think about half, I think about 50% of our servers are, no, no, that's not actually right. Yeah, no, I, I'm probably, we're probably still at about 90% of our clients and servers are at five. Mm-hmm. some version of five <coughs> yeah i have a pr up to one of the clients that can get them up to seven but it you have to touch core functionality for a lot of these legacy sites to get them seven compatible yeah but that's what that tests are for okay but when we're talking about legacy code you don't have tests you have place. to make the tests as part of the pr okay Easier said than fucking done. I know. <laughs> the, the I don't write tests. Sites are, the sites are already out there. They're that's why they're called legacy. It's. <laughs> so, I'm saying, as educators, we're supposed to tell people the proper way to do things, and then don't tell them the, the way that we do things. <laughs> well, no, we do things properly nowadays. Yeah. But yeah, we do. But going back a few years, that's not the same case. So well, all right. I'm not. So ninety surpri- percent of the websites are still on five. Some I'm version of five. Yes. I'm a little surprised. I, I think that I, I think that's higher than I expected, but not not really. I I, I would have thought more like a seventy percent. Yeah. No, because there was such I, I a don't. crazy push 
Nah. Yeah. Okay. I'm, There's so I'm, much money to save in processing power. It's so much faster. You could use that extra processing yeah. power to, to to mine bitcoins. Exactly. And, Bus and coins. Again, Thomas, Thomas is, it's more than just upgrading PHP because a, a lot of these shops don't have dedicated ops people and the default packages are still on PHP 5.6 or whatever whatever the, that OS package is. Mm-hmm. So it, it, there, there's an effort involved in, in upgrading these things and, and keeping them current. It's I know. Definitely one of those things that's easier said than, than done. I like that I a lot of the, the, the third-party packages through Composer, such as PHP Unit, and those are, are pushing people to move to 7. That's To yeah. me, that's really important. The fact yeah, that yeah. Symphony 4 requires 7.1. Laravel 5.5, right? What is, what is this about Symphony 5, 4? 5. Symphony 4, yes. I haven't used it yet. Has anyone well, played with it? It's just recently out. Not a whole lot of people have used it. <laughs> But I, I've always said that you know you're you're, you're either continuing to evolve or, or you're, you're you're dying off as a developer, right? And where I have I, I've a huge framework junkie, have always been touted cake PHP for years. Went over to the Laravel side, been been rocking Laravel for a couple of years now. But I've always kind of had my eye on the horizon on. What, what the next framework I wanted to tackle was. And for me, Symphony makes a lot of sense. I mean, I I like the, I, I love the fact that so many of these frameworks have, have modernized, even Cake, even, even the, these older frameworks. But Symphony is hands down one of the leaders in the industry. Yeah. Um, short of Zen, who actually, you know, are is owners the industry. of PHP. Owns, yeah. the, owns the industry. <laughs> John, John and I were having a conversation recently about the Laravel uh, certification program and you know if we felt it made sense to invest in it to get certified maybe get some developers certified or not and you know we've gone back and forth on the real value of certification and whether it's good or bad but um, but the fact is it doesn't hurt right it doesn't hurt to have a certification and the what I shared with with John is you know I'm not opposed to that I mean you know again a certification is a certification but as far as having more of an appreciation for the industry, the Symphony certifications always make made a lot more sense to me. And then, oh, of course, yeah. there's, Zen has certifications as well. But but this is neither here nor there. Symphony Four is released, and I think this is the one. So I've already I've already installed it. I've already started playing with it. I've already I'm already starting to like the way it feels. It is it is different than Laravel. I. I I, I realized. I, I realized. I told you guys before. When I tried to fire up a Cake PHP um, three applications, I realized how dependent I had gotten on Laravel and the Laravel workflow. And I felt that again with Symphony, but it, it, it that that barrier wasn't where it wasn't nearly as big. Liking Symphony, I'm really I'm really liking Symphony. Um, I haven't done anything with it yet. I haven't actually made an application. I haven't really had to solve problems with it. What I need to do is try to build either an existing application or a new application with it and, and see where where the pain points are. Um, but it is weird. Um, there's a lot of 
you have to include a lot of things that you wouldn't think you needed to include, including things like uh, I, I'm trying to remember. I don't I don't even think that like the database um, interface was included by default. Well, yeah, it, it starts it, it, one it of the big things about. One of the big yeah. things about four is that it starts as a microservice, so it starts with the like bare minimum. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you can choose. I, I think somebody told me today you can choose Eloquent or Doctrine as your database yeah. layer, so it, it doesn't include any of that. You have to choose what you want to do, but you're also yeah. it's also it's basically giving you the opportunity to build the framework you want versus getting everything right if you don't use queuing then it doesn't include queuing Mm -hmm. and and one of the big complaints about symphony 3 was was how bloated it had become it it became such a big project Mm -hmm. that it was starting to slow it down uh and 4 i think directly addresses that now is i I was having this conversation with somebody today is is silex still the micro framework though or did somebody somebody mentioned that that might have that might have been retired. Do we know? No, it's still website's still here. Silex. Yeah, no. I mean, the website's still up. I I don't know. I'm not aware of any um of Silex doing away as a project. Trying, no, but I I, I think it's I think it's deprecated. Think though. Happen with? You think it's with this with because the, they have the flex now, the Symphony Flex. Yeah. Uh, because Silex is 2.0, and I know it's not going to get updated to the to the 4.0 platform. Hmm. Interesting. So yeah, I don't know the fate of Silex. I'm trying, trying to. Yeah, I don't know what the fate of Silex is, but it's still. I mean, it's open source. So if somebody really wants it to keep going on, it, it'll keep going on. But let's see. I mean, still getting contributed to, not a whole lot, but as recently as four months ago on some tests, a month ago. Apparently, at SymphonyCon, somebody had announced that End of Life was next year for Silex. Really? Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, there you have it. Uh, GB Techie on Twitter. You want to know what I'm excited about? What are you excited about? We went through... A lot of non-PHP stuff, but we're ending on PHP. Talk about Symphony. Fact, fact yeah, we got to say we're ending. Got to bookend it. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. We're ending on a high note. We usually end on a low note on Doom and Gloom, but we're ending on a high note. I love it. No, I slid the Doom and Gloom in there very sneakily. No, no, no that, was, that was a sneaky. It was pretty <laughs> obvious. Misusing that. Misusing that word completely. <laughs> but but we didn't have to draw attention to it because it was so obvious. But we're ending on PHP, which is so unusual for us. Have you noticed how many times John mentions the word ending? We're ending. Ending. We're ending. ending. <laughs> it's over. The show's over. We're done. And we talked about PHP. We, we have a hard stop. I'm sorry. What do you it's want hard. me to do? Sometimes it's just hard to stop, John. We enjoy this so much. All right. That's a, that's that's a strong we. That's a very strong yes. we. <laughs> All right. Episode 86 in the bag. I'm Eric Graham I'm John Cogman. I'm Maxwell Smart. Keep it ugly. Keep it ugly. Thanks for listening to this episode of PHP Ugly and thanks to our sponsor, the Diego Dev Group. 
If you're looking for developers who care about the code they create, the communities they build, and the solutions they implement, then reach out to the Diego Dev Group at www.diegodev.com. Show notes can be found at www.phpugly.com. Follow PHP Ugly on Twitter at PHP Ugly. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or directly off the PHP Ugly RSS feed. A rating of five stars on iTunes is appreciated. Submit articles to phpugly at reddit.com slash r slash phpugly. Until next week, keep it ugly.